But I promise you after tonight, you'll fall in love with this man. He's a great, great man of God. He's had a tremendous impact on my personal life. Me and my wife's ministry, we're so very thankful for Brother Emery. And we're very honored that he's here from Merced, California to preach to us. Will you open your heart and let's receive the word of the Lord as Brother Emery comes. Praise the Lord, everybody. I do sincerely hope that you're glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. I also hope that you understand and have the revelation that we serve a good God. A good God. What a privilege and an honor it is for me to be here, and I am humbled and um, just a little bit nervous. And so, um, thank you to Pastor Ronnie and this great church for a nice auditorium. You've done a great job here. It's good to always be with uh, Pastor and Sister Dakota. They're like my sons and daughters, and we're looking for grandkids here sometimes. So. <laughs> I already have 24, so 25 is not going to help me. <laughs> it's not going to hurt me at all. So it's good to see everyone in the house, all the uh, ministers that are here, and I uh, do appreciate them being here. Good to see my good friend, Brother Cox, and my evangelist friend, and good to meet those of you who I've met today in such a great deal today. I came, I came from California today um, with, their, with something to have to say and as I began to get in the prayer room and come out the stirring began and um, I don't think God changes direction he just changes our direction Amen. God always knows what he's going to do it is, it is us that sort of have to find out where he is and so I, I don't um, I don't know what your expectations of me are but let me just say something that I am a human being like you I, I am a man of like passion. And so therefore, there is absolutely nothing that I can do for you. I'm sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> Nevertheless, I do have connections. <laughs> Amen. And so if we'll turn to the book of Luke chapter 6, and I apologize to the South Bend and all of that, that I'm not more prepared for the technological age here. Really. Luke chapter 6, verse 17, 18, and 19 is where we'll be reading. If you have it, say amen. amen. <coughs> if you're still looking for it, say wait on me. <laughs> if you're on the screen, say I got the screen. Got the screen. Okay, I'll see how this is working. <laughs> I don't have my glasses, so I got the screen too. <laughs> and he came down with them and stood in the plain and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea, Jerusalem, and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him <laughs> and to be healed of 
their diseases and they that were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed and the whole multitude sought to touch him for there went virtue out of him and heal them all everybody say virtue, virtue. say it again virtue. virtue all right i want to talk to you just for a little bit and if god give us the unction we'll preach and if you'll anoint us we'll have church i want to talk to you on a simple subject tonight there is power in his touch just a simple subject there is power in his touch now would you put your bibles down and you can keep your babies up but put your bibles down let us lift our hands because one of the criterias to touching him is is for him to touch us is first we need to touch him so all over the building would you lift your voice and lift your hands? Come on, I want you to stretch out. Come on, I know we, wor- I know we praise, but I don't know if we've all worshipped. Let's touch him right now in the name of the Lord. God, not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. One more time, would you clap your hands and lift your voice and give God a shout of praise. Amen. You may be seated. Our culture is undergoing a difficult transformation. And uh, our culture as North Americans is under assault. The church is in the midst of one of the greatest battles it's ever been in. And it could be very easy to get depressed or disillusioned. But let me assure you that God is still in control. Amen. Especially when everything looks out of control, God is still in control. Amen. And in this. <clears throat> Changing culture and shifting society as we vacillate toward destruction. The church has to make up its mind where it's standing. I I, I can't make up your mind for you. You've got to make up your own mind. There's only one thing that I know. I, I know in whom I have believed. 
And we must press toward the mark. And the mark has been set not higher than we can meet, but unfortunately, expectations have been lowered. The mark has not been set higher. Expectations have been lowered. But without great expectation, there is no faith. If things are today and the same tomorrow, what's missing is an anticipation of something greater than what we have. <clears throat> so we must set our expectations a little bit higher. Especially when it comes to coming to church. I'm just going slow so you can get used to me. You see, if we come to church with low expectations, what you'll have is a very low outcome. If you don't expect God to do anything, then it's probably going to get what you expect. If you've said it in your mind, Man, I go to a boring church and it is dead and it's going to be dead. Then for you, that's exactly going to happen. It's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. But if you visit the prayer room just a little bit early and store up the ashes at the altar and said, I feel like something good is about to happen. I'm raising the level of my expectation of what God is able to do. I'm telling you that the power of God will meet us at the point of our expectation. <clears throat> Simply from a human level, hope without God is nothing more than a human delusion. But with God, Hope is the foundation of expectation. Expectation is the substance of faith. Evidence of things not seen. Faith is the earnest desire of your expectation. Or as the writer said, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Without hope. The drug addict feels there's no reason to live. So he puts a little bit more heroin in his cylinder and injects it knowing that he'll never wake up. Without hope, the disillusioned man loads a 9mm or 357 or 38 special and he cocks the hammer and puts this to his head because somehow he's convinced himself without expectation. Without anticipation of something greater. Without something more than what I've got. <laughs> Medically speaking, you can live days without food, but you can tell we don't try that. <laughs> Actually, you can live weeks without food, days without water, and minutes without air, but you can't live a second without hope. And I want to tell you, if you're sitting here without hope, then, you're, then you need to 
refigure how you think because as long as you have breath and as long as God is on the throne, there is hope for you. They told me at 17 years old as a, what are we, I I have to call Jesse Jackson to find out what we are from year to year. (laughs) I I don't know if we're colored, black or Afro-American or if we're back to being black, I don't know. I have to, haven't called Jesse to find out what I am yet. The outlook of my future was very dismal at 17 years old, leaving the projects in Alabama. All hope I had was to be a pimp or pusher, a drug addict or a prisoner. I was told I'd be dead by the time I was 25 years old, if I was lucky to live that long. So was the plight. But somebody simply forgot to tell me about Jesus. I know you're not going to help me, but it's okay. Somebody forgot to tell me there was life-changing power. There was resurrecting power. There was mind-altering power. There was something that was greater than what I was. I want to tell you tonight in my introduction that, that God is still greater than anything you're facing today. I'm going slow for a reason. I'm old now. Trains always start out slow. So it's best you get on board. Because once we get down the track, I don't stop. You don't turn around. So get on board. I'm preaching to you today that it is time for the church to be the church. We do not have the luxury of wasting one church service. I'm going to lose some of you right here. You're going to jump right off the train, but, but it's going slow. So you won't hurt yourself if you jump now. We don't have the luxury of wasting a church service. We don't have the luxury of missing a church service. We don't have the luxury of just staying home because I don't feel like going to church. We're living in the last days and every time you have an opportunity to get to the house of God, you ought to get there. Because in that atmosphere, God can change you. God can heal you. God can give you a miracle. Can I say we don't have the luxury of church as usual? What do you mean by that? We don't have the, we don't have the luxury of lucky church. We'll, you know, we'll have church if we're lucky. I've been in revivals and I've had, you know, had people call. We, we're all out eating after the services and one of the pastors said, oh man, we had church. God showed up. It was a divine interruption. 
And I thought, yeah, that's probably the way he has to get in most church services. He has to interrupt us. Because we never really come expecting God to do anything. We just go about our little merry way, doing our little thing, and then God says, uh, excuse me, would you mind if I come in and do some miracles? And Oh, you really? Oh, see, that's an interruption when you don't think he's coming. Where I'm from, we don't have interruptions. We have interventions. In other words, when God moves, it's on purpose. When God shows up, we're not, we're not, oh, God, no, no. It's not, he's here. It's time to have church. I'm telling you, it's time to expect God to do great things. It's time to lift the level of your expectation. And it's time to say, God, I've got a need and you are my supplier. I wonder what would come. I wonder what would happen in our church service. We actually came to church actually thinking God was actually going to do something. I mean, if we really thought he'd healed our body. If we really, really thought he'd do it. And we really, uh, okay, I'm too far. All right, we'll go. Let me settle down. I'm, I'm going to be dignified tonight. <laughs> no dignity in Louisiana, huh? And so he, 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 he comes and he spent all night in prayer. And there, after that, he chooses 12 disciples. Wow, what an unconventional way to choose a church board, huh? Pray about them. <laughs> Novel? Never heard of that before. I just thought you voted him in. Spends all night in prayer. He chooses the 12 out of the 70 and the 70 out of the 500. And now they're coming down from this mountain place to a plain. <clears throat> and when all the people heard that Jesus had come down to this level place, the Bible said that they began to come from Genesaret, from I'm sorry, from Jerusalem and Judea, from Tyre and Sidon, and to, from all these little surrounding municipalities to see where he was. It is said that, that, that they came to hear him, number one, and to be healed of their diseases. In other words, they came to hear, but they came to hear with an expectation of something happening beyond just sitting down and listening. Huh. We're about ready to pull out, folks. Get ready. So they duly expected something to happen. Maybe it's because they didn't have Cadillacs and Lincolns and Lexuses and Chrysler 300M Hemis on dubs rolling hard. Maybe, maybe it's because they had sometimes to walk for days, sleeping under the stars, 
nothing but a pallet and, and some of them going hungry to get to where Jesus was. And, and maybe they said in their mind, if I'm going to go through all this trouble to get to where he is, I'm going to get something out of it. Son. Now, honey, we got all dressed up and we didn't walk. But friend, we need to have the same mentality. I got all dressed up to go to the party and I'm going to. All right, it's okay. All right. I got all dressed up to go to the party and I'm going to party if nobody else is. You see, it is time we make up our mind that when we open up and come to the auditorium and get in the presence of God, something is supposed to happen to me. Something supernatural. Something I'm starting to feel the Holy Ghost right now. Something supernatural is supposed to happen to me. Oh, come on and help me. My situation, my circumstances, something has got to happen beyond the ordinary. Why? And so the multitude gathered together and they sought him out. They looked for him. And then the Bible said, and they sought to touch him. For when they touched him, virtue came out of him and healed them all. I am not sure how these people understood that. They didn't have, you've you got to understand, we're reading it in rec retrospect. And it looks very easy to us, but I don't know who got the thought in his mind. Maybe because they were sick and they were, un, they were infirmed and they knew they were unclean. So they knew that he couldn't really lay hands on them. So they, they just scurried up and say, you're a holy man and I know that. And you don't have to touch me and I won't touch you. But, and they just grabbed a hold to his, his, his garment, maybe in hope. Maybe in expectation. And all of a sudden, whoa. Something happened when they touched him. And they didn't actually touch him. They touched his clothing. I can see you don't think that's powerful, do you? You see, the thing that bothers me is that people in the secular world have a greater understanding of scripture than what we do. That's why you got FUBU dress, South Pole dress, fat form, baby fat. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. All right? Why? Because when you put on their clothing, you start feeling like, uh, uh, I don't mess with y'all. Huh? You start wearing Sean Dan, Petey Puff Daddy, whatever he calls himself. You start dressing like 50 Cent, you're going to start acting like 50 Cent. And don't, th don't act like you don't know who 50 Cent is. Mr. Jackson, all right, I'll just get proper on you. And we don't understand, so we start dressing like these people. And we start acting like them because their clothing, you're not getting whatever. There's something that is being transmitted. Oh, you know 
Well, if you don't believe that, you tell me why our little teenage Pentecostals want to dress and act like Britney and Beyonce. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. And the little honey cups. Don't you wish your girlfriend was fine like me? Don't act like I don't know. Maybe your mama don't know, but I know. Maybe your daddy don't know, but I know. Listen, honey. We don't need Beyonce. We need a baptism of the Holy Ghost and power. You're not a game banger. Don't be looking like one. You're not a rap star. Don't be acting like one. You might as well come on in the house. The train has just left the station. What we need is the power of God. We need to get to the altar and get prayed through. I said, what I want, I want to touch the master's garment. Because whatever's in him is going to flow inside of me. I am not sure how they understood, but the, wet, the Eastern mind works different from the Western mind. They have no problem with this transference. Somehow they understood, and we're going to see, somehow they understood that when I touch him, something comes out of him. Something is actually transmitted. The transmission causes a transaction. The transaction causes a transfusion. And the transfusion causes a transformation. Y'all don't want to help me, but I'm going to preach on anyhow. You see, when I touch him, something is transmitted, and I can feel it. And the transmission causes a transaction. That means whatever in him is transacting with what's ever in me. And the transfusion. <laughs> Come on. And then that causes a transformation, which means I am changed. But that's not good enough. Because the last procession is the trans. Fusion causes a translation. It moves me from one place to another. Over here, I'm sick. But now I've been translated to heal, deliver, set free. I wish I had some help here today. Listen, if you got the Holy Ghost, if you've been baptized in Jesus' name, why don't you quit thinking like a crackhead? You ain't a crackhead anymore. You're supposed to be saved. Come on, act like you're saved. Walk like you're saved. Talk like you're saved. Dress like you're saved. They touched him and something began to happen. 
something out of him flowed and all the scripture calls it was virtue, which means divine healing power. And somebody got to, and it said, and it healed them all. I'm thinking like, did that many people touch Jesus? I don't think so. I think somebody touched him and he touched them and they touched those. I think it was like a rippling effect. <laughs> he went over and touched the master garment and went, whoa, dude, did you feel? And then all of a sudden it's like a, like a domino effect. And so much that after he had healed the demoniac of Gadaris and he comes back across the Sea of Tiberias and he is there at the port. All of a sudden he's met by a man by the name of Jairus who the Bible says is a ruler. Jairus' 12-year-old daughter is sick with a fever. Says, I want you to come home with me and heal my daughter. He says, let's go. And there they go, the curious, the art couple, the curious couple as they're walking toward Jairus' house. Jairus is with the sacks under his eyes, unkempt, and nobody's used to seeing him like that. But, you know, he's a rich man. But let me tell you something. Life and circumstances can perplex you and get you in a place where your money ain't going to do you any good. You're going to need Jesus. Oh, yeah, you are. So here's Jesus and Jairus as they're walking the journey to Jairus' house. And all of a sudden, Jesus is listening intensely because he is a clinician at point. And how long has your daughter been sick? And tell me about the fever. He just, he likes to do that stuff. He just goes on. He cracks me up. Have you ever read, you ever read that thing called the Bible? It just, it's so funny at times. You know, Jesus here, these people are desperate. He starts talking like that. Well, how long have they been like this? They go like, what? Just do something. You know, he'll just get off and start talking about all kind of crazy stuff. Because, see, Jesus understands, don't worry about it because nothing's going to happen till I get there anyway. So just chill and just come with me. So he's acting the clinician and he's going along with Jairus and they're talking. And all of a sudden as they're talking, people see them and a throng, a crowd, a press begins to come. A multitude begins to gather. And all of a sudden, in the midst of this kinetic talk with Jairus and reassuring him that everything is going to be all right, he stops. And he turns about. Jairus keeps walking. He hasn't understood. He goes, whoa, where you at, man? He comes back and Jerry said, what's the wrong? He said, somebody touched me. He said, you think? There's a whole multitude of people out here. You think somebody? He said, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about a casual contact. See, sometimes we don't get anything because it's casual contact. You need something more than just to touch Jesus casually. You don't need a casual contact. You need an intimate encounter. Somebody's going to help me preach here in just a little bit. We got too many people wanting casual contact. Yabba dabba do. I didn't get it. Or the famous Pentecostal shuffle. Got my fix. 
but you didn't get your miracle. I'm talking about casual contact as opposed to an intimate encounter. He says, no, you don't understand. Somebody touched my clothing. He's saying, get a grip, get a life, look around. Everybody is touching you. He says, no, no, this is different. I know everybody's bumping into me, but that's not what I'm saying. I know people are brushing against my person, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying somebody with intent. Somebody with hope. Somebody with anticipation. Somebody with expectation grabbed a hold of my immortal being and shook me and said, I need a miracle. You said that all happened with the touch? That all happened because this woman came with intent. Because when Jesus questioned her, she said, I knew. I said within myself that if I touch him, I shall be made whole. I wonder what would happen tonight in this crusade if some people got beyond casual contact and got into an intimate encounter and did not care who was in the house, what they said about you, what they thought about you, and said, you know what, I need something from God more than I need, and I'm going to touch him. I'm going to have an intimate encounter. I'm going to go beyond where I am and I'm going to grab a hold of the supernatural and I'm going to have myself a miracle tonight. Oh, come on. Somebody raise your hands and help me. Raise your hands while I get some water. Listen, let me, help, let me help our Western minds be seated because the Eastern people don't have any part. They don't have trouble with impartation. We do. Listen. A psychologist by the name of Renee Spitz back in the 40s did a survey. In this survey, she had children under the age of two in a study. One set of children were those of incarcerated mothers who had no contact with their children. The children were fed, they were clothed, they were cared for, but they did not have the benefit of a mother's care, a mother's touch, if you will. Simultaneous, side by side, parallel, double blind studies, how they do this. They took babies under two years old who had the benefit of a mother. The care was the same. The only difference was the mother's touch. The conclusion of that psychological evaluation was that the babies that have the benefit of a mother's touch 
without fail. We're socially above, mentally above, psychologically above, intellectually above all the other babies that had not the benefit of a mother's touch. So our Western minds can grasp this, that there is power in a mother's touch. We can grasp that because when your baby gets sick, dad, they don't want you. Who do they want? Mama. They want mama because there's something about a mother's touch. Even as guys, when we get married, you know, when we're sick and we know we can't go to mama. So we go to Miss Mama, who's, and we want to crawl up in our wife's arms, and you know we want her. To, oh yeah, and our wife always said, "You're just a big." Baby. See how all the women say that. <laughs> you don't do that. I do that, man. I want my wife. I want to oh, just stroke me, baby. <laughs> Somebody told me, said, "Brother Emory, you just henpeck." I said, "Well, at least it's my hand." If it's your hand, you better get worried, brother. <laughs> We're Pentecostals. We go out to eat all the time, right? Well, that's the best amen I got on that. <laughs> they did a study. They said the service found out, servers, they found out that if they come to your table and look you in the eye, actually get down to eye level, look you in the eye that the percentages of their tips goes up because they made a casual contact with you. And you thought they liked you. <laughs> but beyond that, they found that it's somewhere between the time they seat you and the time they bring you the ticket. If they just touch you impersonally without, you know, non-threatening, they say, hey, what's your Oh, Freddie, he's still close to mama. All right, Freddie, I'm so glad you came. They found that their percentages of their tips goes even higher because of a casual, because of a non-threatening touch is more personal than just a glance in the eye. So now we've found that there is power in a service touch to get a little bit more money out of your pocket. I worked in the medical field for 22 years. You ever notice that when you go to the doctor, the first thing he wants to do is open your mouth, looks in your eyes, grab, what are they doing? What are they doing? They're touching you. And they're trying to convey to you this message. Don't worry, darling. The doctor is in the house. I, it's going to be all right. I'm trying to convey to you. Don't worry, beloved. Jesus is in the house. And it's going to be all right. 
Brother Cox, if there is indeed power in a mother's touch, power in a servant's touch, power in the touch of a health care professional, then what can we surmise about what kind of power, what kind of virtue, what can we say about the power of the touch of God? It's life changing. It will turn your world upside down and then turn it right side up again. I'm telling you, God is able to deliver you. God is able to set you free. And God is able to touch you tonight by the power of his name and by the power of his touch. I'm telling you, for those of you that would reach out, there is a touch of his power in here tonight. There are no physical hymns for us to grab a hold to. But Isaiah said, I saw him at his train fill the temple. The train is the part of the garment that is beyond. It is the hymn. It is the same word. His train fills the temple. His hymn fills the sanctuary. Right where you are, there is virtue flowing. Right where you are, there is power moving. Right where you are, there is a miracle right in your close proximity. But do you have enough to stand and say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired? I'm sick and tired of going through the motions. I'm sick and tired of every Sunday being the same. I'm sick and tired of Wednesday night boredom. I'm reaching beyond myself and grabbing with expectation a God that is greater than I am today because I understand there's power in his touch. Somebody shout hallelujah. Listen, friend, listen, listen. I'm just about done. My daughter called frantic. I don't remember the year. 1984, 1985. I don't know how to go four or five years. Two grandchildren. One, one and one half pound and the other one and one quarter pound. So they called me to neonatal respiratory ICU where Kaylin, Kaylin was there. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. And my wife said, you've got to go and pray for him. I said, honey, it's 4 in the morning. She said, I don't care. So we gained access. And then we stand and they held us. And you, you can't get into neonatal respiratory ICU. Got to be a doctor or a lawyer or an Indian chief or But my wife thinks I'm Superman and she thinks I can do anything. And so I told her, honey, I can't do the Superman thing anymore. Because there's no phone booths anymore. <laughs> and the pink tights don't fit. <laughs> no. Now I have to run into a Verizon store go.
And so I told the lady who I was and what I did for a living, and she said, come right in. And I went to the sink and did a three-minute surgical scrub. And then I thrust my baby finger inside of an incubator to a child whose head laid at the tip of this finger, whose feet came at the wrinkle in my palm. I didn't have any oil. All I had was Vaseline, so I stuck my finger into that. You see, it is not the oil. It's the name. You, you did not hear me, did you? It is not the oil or the apron or the handkerchief. It's the name of Jesus Christ. And I want somebody to know there's still power in that name today. Neither is there salvation in any other. There's power in that name. There's salvation in that name. There's healing in that name. There's de- is anybody here understanding what I'm preaching to you today? You can be delivered because of power that's in the name of Jesus. It's the potencia de Yosa in the nombre de Jesus. Oh, power in the name of Jesus for y'all don't speak Spanish. <laughs> and I thrust my finger inside. Before I put my finger inside of the incubator and laid my finger on this kid's forehead, it almost covered his whole face. It's only this big. His respirations were erratic. His heartbeat was erratic. His vital signs were off. His PO2 saturation was off. I mean, everything was messed up. They didn't know if he was going to live through the night. And I stuck my finger inside of that thing, and I just said this, in the name of Jesus. I'm sorry. I didn't have time for a four-hour prayer meeting or a three-day fast. I just said, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Right when I did that, Brother Cox, every instrument that this kid was hooked up to started going off the skip. It started beat every alarm. The heart monitor went off. The, the PO2, I mean, and the nurse behind the glass looked at me. She saw my hand stuck in there. I'm like a kid with this whole hand in the candy bar. I'm looking at her. She's looking at me. She's coming at me. I mean, she's coming like she's about ready now. I said, girl, you better back off the brother now. And I kept my finger in there. She kept coming at me. She was looking like real mean. I'm going like, this girl going to hit me. And then before she got to me, she skidded. And her eyes caught the monitors. And she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm praying. In the name of Jesus. She said, whatever you're doing, keep on doing it. His heart is normal. His respirations are normal. His vital signs are not hearing what I'm preaching. He's 22 years old today and six foot one. I'm trying to tell you that there's power in his touch. There's power in his name. There's virtue in the name of Jesus Christ today. He Somebody let your faith roll. You better let your faith go right now. Come on. It's your miracle night. Come on. 
You may have not been healed before, but tonight could be your night. You may not have had your miracle before, but don't let go now. Believe one more time. Have faith one more time. Hope beyond hope one more time. one more he said why did you pray like that because see the only pattern I have with old brother Yandris my bishop and I watched him a hundred times nothing poetic nothing theological just in the name of Jesus just, just, just simple Bishop, I took my wife to him in 1982. I took her to the doctor. The doctor said, take her home. She has terminal bladder cancer. She says, I can, I can stave it off for a while. I have to take her bladder out, give her a little bag on the side. I'll give her chemo radiation, give her six months. I said, okay, doc, thanks. So you know, I tell you what, Sam, uh, you go take her and do the workup and do the coming, you know, take her to what they call pre-op, get her pre-op labs and chest x-ray and get her ready and then bring her in Friday. We'll do all that. I said, okay, doc. That was on a Monday. <laughs> that was a Monday. Wednesday night, I just took her to church. Whose report? Will you believe? I, I'm sorry. I, I, I did not regurgitate all that they... Urologist told me about her condition. I just took her to over the end and said, My wife is sick. Can you pray for her? He looked at her and said, Sure. He laid her hand, he laid his hands on her head, 1982, and said, In the name of Jesus. Next year, my wife and I will celebrate 30 years of marriage. Oh, by the way, we never did get the pre-op. We never did have surgery. She never did have chemo. She never did have radiation. She never did die. There is a God. There is a God. There is a God. There is a God. Look at somebody said, there is a God. Tell them again, there is a God. And tell them there is power. Tell them there is power. No, I want you to tell them there is power. No, I want you to tell them there is power. I want you to tell them there is power. There is virtue. He crossed over the sea and went to a little town called Genesareth. The Bible says, and when they knew it was him. Yes. See, when you know, when you can detect that God's in the service, that's when you start reaching. Wait a minute, here's what we do. God has to put an atom bomb underneath us. We got to have goosebumps on top of our goosebumps. And we got to have the yota, and then we move. But when you first detect 
that Jesus is in the house. That's when you start reaching. He's here. He just walked in. And when they knew it was him, they ran and they got stretchers and they brought people and lined the streets of the city. Am I still in your Bible? And as he walked by, they grabbed the hem of his garment and they touched him and they all were made whole. I was in revival once when I evangelized. I evangelized for 10 years full time. And we were in a school, we were in a gymnasium that seemingly doubled for a sanctuary at one time, but now they had a sanctuary. And I'm walking the perimeters of this gym, just walking and praying. Not particularly spiritual at all, just walking and praying. Just because you walk and pray don't mean you're spiritual. You're just walking and praying. <laughs> Hoping something happens. I'm walking and praying because I've been here for like two or three weeks and I have no sermons to preach to these folks. I'm like, God, please, just something, something I ain't preached. I only have four sermons and I preached them eight different ways and so. <laughs> and so as I am going by this figure, the Holy Ghost says stop and I stop. And there was a brown trench coat there. And that's all I saw. And he said, pray for restoration. I said, in the name of Jesus, be restored. And I walked on. I know I'm making it too simple, huh? You want to be shook until your glasses fall off. All the hairpins come out of your hair. You want the preacher to grab you and shake you till your false teeth come loose. <laughs> oh, you might as well say amen. You know that's what you're looking for. I never even knew who this woman was. I didn't know she was a woman until several months later at camp meeting. Her and her husband ran upon me. She said, it's you. It's you. I said, yeah, wash the clothes. It's me. <laughs> She's hugging me, and I'm going like, okay, glad my wife is here. She says, you don't know me, do you? I said, no, I don't. She said, you were in this particular city? I said, I was there. She said, I was bent over underneath the gold, I said, in an auditorium. She said, that was me. I said, you had a beige trench coat on. She says, that was me. She said, how did you know what was going on? I said, lady, I don't know anything about you. All I know is what God said, pray the prayer of restoration. She says, what you don't know is I had cancer. And she said, my fingernails were falling off. And my hair was falling out. And everything I ate went through me. And the, and the chemotherapy and the radiation had baked my intestines to they were no good anymore. And I was literally dying. And she said, I felt somebody touch me and say, in the name of Jesus, be restored. 
Listen, and she says, my fingernails grew back, my hair grew back, my intestines were made whole and brand new. Cancer is... Listen, I can't help you. So don't look at me as if I have some kind of power. I don't. Don't focus on me as if I have some kind of magic trick that I can do something for you. I cannot. But I do know a name. I can see that doesn't thrill you. You know, it's, it's about time we start getting thrilled about that. I do know a name that makes the devil's knees knock like I do know a name that sickness has to bow. Disease has to bow. Every demon has to flee. Play me something in F there, son. Listen. I don't know who you are tonight. I don't know what you need tonight. But I do know that there is a God today. And if you've been here, you've been praying for several times, a million times, a thousand times, you've never been healed. Okay. Don't worry about it. But that does not mean that God is not a healer. I don't have all the answers. I'm sorry. But I do know every time we get together, there's a window of opportunity that this just may be my night. This is the air I breathe. You know that song? Don't get change keys. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your whole Lift those hands. Living in me. Say this. You are my daily bread. Say it. Let me say it. You are my daily Jesus, you are my daily bread. Say bread. Your very word. Spoken to me Listen, listen And now 
Are you desperate tonight? I'm desperate for you. <laughs> and I. Come on, you know the song, lift it. I'd be lost. I'm lost without you. And I, oh, oh, I'm. Is anybody hungry? Come on, come on, come on. Anybody desperate now? He sakatodo lobo sataba na na lobo saka. And now, oh, oh, I lost. Come on, I want you to gather in. Come on, if you need a miracle, gather in. We're just worshiping right now. And I, and I, and I, I'm long, I'm desperate. I'm desperate for you. Lord, I'm desperate for you. Lord, I'm lost without you. And to lift those hands. Come on, if you're desperate, come on. Let the tears roll down your face. Come on, reach for him. And I, Lord. Come on, if we got it, come on, we're almost there. Come on. I, I can't make it another day without you, Lord. I want you to know that I Listen to me, listen, listen. Listen very carefully, listen. Music way down, way down. They gotta hear me. I want you to just listen for a moment. Okay, we're in the transmission phase. We're touching. Now listen very carefully. It's very easy to do. Center your mind on him not on personalities I see people running all over the world for a personality you don't get healed by personality you get healed by Jesus Christ 
and the power that's in his name. You don't have to run it. you got the power right here in this city, right here in this church. You don't need to run all over the world looking for power. It's right where you are. Right here. Right here. No one man has, has a trademark on the power of God. I don't, I don't get that. I'm sorry. There's no such thing as a divine healer. There's only one divine healer. That's Jesus. So let's focus in on everybody. Keep your hands lifted. Focused in on him. Not on your problems. Not on your situation. Not on your sickness. Not on your circumstance. Not on what you're dealing with. Just focus in on him now. I need you, Jesus. You need to tell him more than I need anything else right now. Now, all over the building, we're going we're gonna to repent right now. After me, would you say, Father? I'm talking to everybody now. After me, will you say, Father? Forgive us. Our iniquities. Our transgressions. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me whole. Created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. I repent, God, for things I've said, I've done, and I've thought that were against you. I am frail and I am weak, but you are strong. Wash me now. Wash me now. Wash me now. You cannot tell me you don't feel that. Right then. I felt virtue. Did you feel it? Virtue walked in. Lift your hands. I'll just wait for the virtue. Lift your hands all the way. Close your eyes. In the name of Jesus. No socorobo Now. I feel the virtue in the house, folks. Come on, reach for him right now. Come on. I feel the virtue. Come on. I need some intercessors and some tongue talkers. Come on. Come on, reach out for him. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Receive ye the gift of the Holy Ghost for out of your belly. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Come on. That's it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Receive it. In the name of Jesus.
in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Somebody ought to be reaching for him right now. Now listen. Listen, I can't get to everybody. Here's what the Bible says. Listen, listen. The Bible says, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You have the same faith. You have the same God. You have the same anointing. You have the same spirit. You have the same power that I have. It is not any difference. So I want you to break up very quickly in groups of four to five maybe even six six you don't have to know the person come on group up group up very very quickly very quickly now i want you this group please don't start praying don't start doing anything just group together would you you're praying listen listen no praying please please listen we prayed already you, you cannot show me one time in the bible that jesus prayed for anybody i'm sorry they said they brought the sick and he healed them read it for yourself they brought the sick and he healed every one of them every time jesus prayed he was by himself father i pray for these not for me but for them Every time you heard Jesus praying, he was alone and by himself. He didn't pray for the sick. He healed the sick. He said, go ye into your closet when your father will hear you in secret. And then when you come out of the closet, you don't pray anymore. You speak. Our problem is we speak to the mountain and the Bible says to say to the mountain. We pray to the mountain. Oh, mountain, move. The mountain ain't going to work. You speak with authority and power to the mountain, and the mountain shall be removed by this. Huh. I know I'm weird. I'm sorry. Okay, make a connection. Everybody make a connection. All right. Connections. Everybody connected with somebody. Remember? Transmission, transaction, transfusion, translation, transformations. All right, you got to touch somebody. Now listen very carefully. Listen very carefully. Listen, 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 listen. No pray. Please don't pray. Please trust me. Please don't pray. All you praying haven't got you anywhere anywhere. So don't do it. You're exasperating yourself. Please just, just trust me. I know I'm weird, strange, and wonderful. Trust me on this. Okay, trust me. All right, don't, you don't have to pray right now. We prayed. It's fine. It's cool. Trust me. Now, to those people in the group, I want you to tell them. Now, we don't have our night because I know how we are. I want you to pick one thing that you want God to do. Just one. Because <laughs> if I let y'all go over here all night and the chicken's getting cold. So, one thing. If you could have God do one thing for you tonight, do you know what it is? If you know what it is, nod your head. Not too many head nodders. One thing. If you know what that one thing is, tell it to the people in your group. You got one minute. Starting now.
Listen to me very carefully. No more praying. Listen to me. The Bible says where two or three of you are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of you. Whatsoever things you bind on earth, I bind in the heavenlies. Whatsoever thing you loose on earth, I loose in the heavenlies. And where two of you agree touching anything, it shall be done. That's Matthew 18. I, I think I'm reading out of your Bible. That's the King James and the NIV, the KEY, the MOUSC. It's in all of them, just like that. So I want you to look at those people that just articulated their need to you and repeat with me I agree with you for your miracle. I agree with you. In the name of Jesus, for your miracle, for your healing, for your deliverance, it shall be done. My God, I feel an angel walking in here right now. Tell them again, it shall be done. It shall, it shall, it shall be done. Now, here is faith. Faith is not for what we see, but for those things which are yet what? Unseen. If you really believe that it's going to be done, don't wait until you see it. You need to shout. You need to praise God. You need to leap. You need to... Like it's already time. You're not hearing what I'm saying. You need to go crazy. You need to let that devil know, I believe. I believe. How high would you jump? <laughs> 